Does the threat of bad weather make your kids, or you, if we're being honest, seek out the nearest basement, the largest table to hide under, or the most interior room in the house? Are you not sure of the difference between being storm ready and fearful of storms? Are you worried your storm anxiety may be influencing how your kids respond to severe weather? Then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. So if you feel led to partner with us, just go to gingerhubbard.com support to donate any amount. And thank you so much for your support, listeners, which enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. Have you ever noticed that when you encounter news stories or even advertisements in our world, you have to give your kids a disclaimer like, well, kids, I know they're saying that all is hopeless, but here's what we believe. Wouldn't it be nice if you could point them to a news source that would actually encourage them to see how God is working in our world today? Well, it is nice because there is such a news source. It's called World Watch. This is an engaging professional news show produced by Christian journalists, and it's designed specifically for kids. In just 10 minutes a day, you and your kids can stay up to date on the current headlines without the hopelessness and hysteria of most other news sources. My favorite part is that every episode ends with this reminder, whatever the news, the purpose of the Lord will stand. To find out more about World Watch, just go to worldwatch.news slash ginger to access a free episode. Again, that's worldwatch.news slash ginger. Well, hey there, Katie, and how fun that I get to say hey there, Heather, today as well. You guys have heard us mention Heather quite often as being the rock star behind our podcast. Y'all, we could not do what we do without Heather. She diligently has worked behind the scenes since we first started back in February of 2021. She's the one who puts together our show notes and all the graphics and audio clips on social media, as well as whatever else we throw her way, which continues to be more and more. Uh, She is always three steps ahead, so she's the one who keeps Katie and me in line. What you may not know about Heather is that she is a wife and mother of two adorable girls. Heather has a degree in broadcast news and broadcast meteorology and was a morning show producer at the Weather Channel for seven years. So, of course, she's a huge fan of meteorologist James Spann. So, when we decided to invite James to come on and talk about kids who are afraid of bad weather, Katie and I thought it would be super fun to have Heather on the show. So, I'm actually going to take a back seat on this episode and let you guys take it from here. James, it's an honor to jump in front of the mic today and talk with you. James Spann has served as chief meteorologist for ABC 3340, covering weather in Birmingham and northern Alabama, more than 25 years. He's been a television weather anchor for 44 years. He's received National Broadcaster of the Year by the National Weather Association, and he was the winner of the American Meteorology Society's Award for Broadcast Meteorology. James also leads children's worship every Sunday at Double Oak Community Church in Mount Laurel, Alabama. 
And these are just a few of the many, many accolades for James Spann. The American Meteorological Society pointed out one of the reasons that they've honored him in the past is his tireless efforts to advance the public's awareness of and engagement in the science of meteorology, particularly severe weather forecasting and response. That's really high praise. And on a personal level, Heather actually told me about James Spann when my family moved to Birmingham, Alabama back in 2014. So James just so you know, listeners, is a major celebrity there. But what I didn't know is that he's also a national celebrity within the broadcast meteorology world, so much so that Heather studied his work while she was in grad school. Uh, So because he's one of the leading experts in the field of severe weather and because he's a man after God's own heart, it is our privilege to have the one and only James Spann on our show today. So James, thank you so much for joining us here today. It's my honor to be here. You you guys have built me up way too much. <laughs> way, way too much. <laughs> well, I feel like storms or the threat of storms are usually taken one of two ways. They're either something people are in awe of and spark a sense of excitement, or they can bring about hours of fear and worry. Listeners, I'll let you guess which description is how Heather responds to storms and which one is how I respond to storms. Uh, but for some context, Heather and I were roommates at the University of Georgia, and I remember her standing outside taking pictures of a tornado that was coming toward our apartment while I was in the bathroom cabinet, in the cabinet, begging her to come inside. And it was traumatizing, but it was pretty clear to me that day that Heather's fascination with weather was going to serve her well. Okay, but James, I want to talk about your career. What made you want to become a meteorologist? And then share with us one of the most vivid or impactful moments of your career thus far. I've just been a weather dweeb all my life. I mean, a a total dork, nerd, uh, weather weenie. I mean, some kids are born with this. And why me? I don't know. Nobody else in my family has any interest in this but me. And I've learned that most families have one weather dweeb in the family, and I'm it. And I'm from rural South Alabama. You guys have never heard where I'm from. I'm from Greenville, Alabama. And on those hot summer days, we didn't have PlayStations or Xbox or pads or phones. We played in the woods all day. And Mm. those storms would blow up in the summer. And and most of the other kids were scared or they hated them. I thought they were just outstanding. And uh, I've just loved weather ever since I was little. And I still love it today. I I have never, ever, ever worked a day in my life. I'm living a dream. Mm, That is awesome. Well, tell us about an impactful event in your career thus far. Memorable. Well, good. I'm old as dirt. I've been doing this since the uh, Civil War. Uh, so I, I have been through a lot of them. Um, as, and as an older child, we had to move to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which is the weather capital of the world. Mm. Um, again, uh, my, I came from a broken home. My father abandoned me and my mom when I was seven. And I have no siblings, and it was just me and her, and we had no child support money. And my mom needed a year to finish college. And so living as an older child in Tuscaloosa in the 70s, I thought the world was ending. The weather was so violent every year. Mm. Uh, I experienced the super outbreak of tornadoes in 1974 in high school. But for me professionally, probably the biggest event was the generational tornado outbreak of April 27, 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in that one day in my state, we had 62 tornadoes and wow. 252 people died. These were precious people. That is absolutely inexcusable for anybody for that to happen in the weather enterprise or for the public, people listening to this show. And so that was a reminder for all of us that maybe we're just not as good as we think we are because those people died on my watch and we've all got work to do. 
Mm-hmm. And James, um, that event that you just talked about, that tornado outbreak of uh, 2011, that as well as the EF5 that went through Joplin, Missouri, um, that same year are two of the most impactful events of when I was working at the Weather Channel. I was a morning show producer there, and covering that and seeing how the people were impacted was just, oh, just devastating to see. To have a violent tornado heading towards your area where you have family and friends, it just has to be surreal. I remember a story from March of 2021 about you texting your wife when you were live on the air to make sure that she was in a shelter as a storm was headed towards your house. Could you tell us a little about that? Well, listen, tornadoes happen to real people at a real Mm -hmm. place at a real time. It's amazing to me how many people think tornadoes always happen on the other side of town or they Mm -hmm. always happen to somebody else. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter if you live on top of a mountain in a valley. doesn't matter what your grandmama says. Tornadoes don't split and go around places. It doesn't work that way. And at some point, if you live in a tornado-prone area long enough, you're going to have an issue with one. And we had one last year. And uh, it, it, we took a direct hit at our house from an EF3, and that's Ooh, rough. Yeah. If you've never been through any tornado, any of them are rough, but this was an EF3. And uh, I texted my wife, and she pays close attention, obviously, and, and she was in the safe place. We have a tornado shelter. And I knew that when she was in that shelter, she's going to be fine uh, now. But we're all human. You don't know if you're going to have a house mm-hmm. or not. You don't know when you walk out of the shelter, do you look up and see blue sky? I mean, what, what's going to happen? And it was the distraction of a lifetime. But but yeah. I, I, my, I was born to stand in front of a green wall when there are tornadoes flying <laughs> around here. That's a ministry. That's a calling. And yeah. once you understand your calling in life, life gets really good. So you just keep going. You just you don't abandon you know your station in a battle. You, you keep going. And, uh, and and again, the damage was really bad. But the roof stayed on the house, which was an incredible blessing because we could stay home while they repaired everything that happened out there. And, and it looks different. I mean, we, we can see down to New Orleans now. The trees are gone. But but we have a nice sunset view, and, and we're blessed. The fact that, you know, n- nobody was killed in that particular tornado on that day. Wow. And when our families are in danger, it's hard to keep your emotions in check. And because kids tend to feed off of their parents' moods and emotions, it's important for us to keep our cool, no matter how stressful that situation might be deep down inside. I have a four-year-old and an eight-year-old little girl, and both of them get scared during storms, like most kids do at that age, Um, and especially if it's at nighttime, if it's a bedtime. Uh, My kids love Steve Green's Hide Them in Your Heart CDs and DVDs that we've mentioned here on our show a couple of times in the past. Um, They're actually just scripture put to music, and one of the songs that we sing with them is Psalms um, 56, verse 3 and 4, which says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, and God whose word I praise. In God I trust, and I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Can you talk to us a little bit about parents and how they can respond if their kids are upset and worried when severe weather is coming toward an area? Well, there's some basics that kids need to understand. Number one, uh, storms are good. They are good. They are a vital part of the water cycle. If we don't have storms, they can't live where they live. They can't go to school where they go to school. We would not have enough water. God made water one time, once. And we use the same water over and over. And 
where we are in tornado-prone areas, most of our precipitation comes from storms. And without them, we don't have enough water. So the kids need to understand they're a blessing. They are good. They are great. We need them. When they hear thunder, don't be afraid. You need to be thankful that we have that rain falling. And the other thing that that kids need to understand is the fact that that, uh, tornadoes are really rare. They're very rare. It's like when I was in first grade, a fireman came and talked with us, you know, 100 years ago about what you do when there's a fire. <laughs> Stop, drop, and roll. From that day, I've never been afraid of a fire. And, and I'm not afraid of a tornado. And kids need to know that tornadoes don't happen a lot. They are very rare like a fire. Now, they, they start watching YouTube videos, and they're going to think, man, these things happen every day or every week. No, they don't. And But if we ever have one where you live, all you have to do is know what to do and you'll be fine. And between those two things, that starts a process of getting kids out of a phobia and a fear into a fascination where they start to learn about these things. So some, some of the best meteorologists in the world used to be afraid of storms when they were kids. Mm-hmm. And they flip it and, and they get into this science. So the, the key message is storms are a blessing. We have to have the water. And number two, tornadoes just don't happen a lot. And as long as you know what to do, you'll be fine if we ever have one. Mm-hmm. Well, as we've seen far too often, having a severe weather plan is so important and can truly be the difference in life and death when it comes to surviving when severe weather hits. Uh, James, during the six years we lived in Alabama, my severe weather plan consisted of wall-to-wall James Spann broadcasts and texting Heather constantly to get a personalized weather report. Everyone should have their own post- personal meteorologist. <laughs> James, do your friends text you constantly when there's severe weather, or do they know to leave you alone because you're on TV? <laughs> uh, most of my friends are weather dweebs, so they don't need to be texting <laughs> they me. They already know. know. <laughs> yeah, they, they already know. But, you know, the, the biggest problem we have is people not getting the warning, and we've got mm. to fix that. What, what happened after April 27th? I didn't talk about that day for six months. I had to go through every phase of grief including depression and anger, which is not my in my personality profile. That's not me. I'm the most upbeat, encouraging guy you'll ever meet. But after that, I knew that we had to fix it. Something went wrong. And so we went to social scientists, people that understand human behavior, because that's not our, our training is physical science, and that's it. So we've learned so much from these wonderful people. But we know why most of those people died. The number one reason people died, you know what it is? The notion that you're going to hear some siren, some magical World War II air raid siren. Are you kidding me? This is 2022, and people think they're going to hear some air raid siren in a house, in a business, in a church, in a school. That's insanity. I'm so flustered over this whole thing. There are days I want to climb up these poles, take them down, and burn them, and that way you know that you can't hear them. So the baseline it's not your phone, by the way. I mean, these phones are great, but during a tornado emergency, cell service often stops and your phone becomes a brick. So the baseline, it's a weather radio. And I'm shocked at how few people have one in tornado prone areas. And yeah, I, they cost $30. It's a lot of money, but it's like a smoke alarm for a tornado in your house. Nothing to do with a cell network. Everybody needs one. So I don't mean to sound preachy here, but you're, you're going to go, if you don't have one, you're going to go get a weather radio and get that thing plugged in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So tell, talk to us more about preparedness in areas that aren't tornado prone. I know we have listeners from all over the world. Many of them deal with all sorts of tsunamis and earthquakes and all these sorts of things. What what can weather preparedness in areas like but that sa- look like? Same, same thing. You, you need a weather radio. In, yeah. in, in, in the United States, NOAA, 
Daytona-out warnings, not only for tornadoes and severe thunderstorms and flash floods, but wildfires and mm-hmm. tsunamis and all these other things. And, and I'm telling you, these phones, are, I mean, everybody says, I got my iPhone 87PQ Samsung 5 whatever. <laughs> and I always get those warnings on my phone. Well, no, you don't. Yeah, I don't. What happens when cell service goes down? Uh, again, your phone is, is worthless. So a uh, weather radio is the baseline. And, and the phone is your second way. They, not, yes, it's an important way of getting warnings. There's no doubt about that. But one thing for, and it doesn't matter what hazard you have when you, where you live, whether it's wildfires or a tsunami or a tornado or a flood or a winter storm, please have emergency alerts enabled on your phone. A lot of people don't like it. They've gotten in here. They get into notifications and settings, and they turn off emergency alerts. And and what amazes, you know why they do that, we've learned. They don't want to receive amber alerts. Thinking, what's the matter with people? You don't want to help somebody if a child is missing. That in itself is insane. But if you've turned off those wireless emergency alerts, please turn them back on. That's the loud one. It is loud. It has nothing to do with an app. It's built into every phone sold in the United States. And with WIA, you're going to get that warning, whether it's a tsunami or a tornado or a flood or whatever. And then that's when you go into your you know, plan of action. That's really helpful. I didn't know that, James. We have a weather radio um, Okay, Heather, you're not going to believe this, but ours isn't plugged in right now because pr- because oh, it's so hard to program boy. it. It really, I know. Shame, I know. shame, shame. It's awful. I, well, I'm totally convicted and we'll plug it right. in tonight is Go all I'm saying, but, but it will wake the dead. Hey, uh, Heather, those... Heather, get, get, get Katie on the line and tell her how to program that weather radio, okay? <laughs> I will. They are paying, so I'll just go ahead and warn people they're paying to program, but they absolutely no, do wake so you. It. It, yeah, it mm-hmm. absolutely is. And, and let me just say something else here. I mean, I, I, I'm going to, you know, you get me talking about this stuff. I talk too much, but, but guess what we've learned? Most people cannot find their house on a map. We've mm-hmm. got a real problem here mm-hmm. because whenever we show a, an approaching weather hazard or whatever hazard, we have to use maps. And I'll post an, a very clear, easy to understand map across the social platforms. And right away, people say, what about, what about, what about, what yeah. about uh-huh. my yeah. hometown? Because that map means nothing to them. It's Russian. They can't understand it. Uh, we, we did some research, and about 8% of people can put a dot within 50 miles of their house on a map. Wow. That's wow. horrifying. And, and part of it is because of turn-by-turn directions, and that's mm-hmm. fine. But anyway, learn your county. Learn the counties around you. And learn how to find your house on a map because that map skill is really, really important. All right. Mm-hmm. So weather radio, geography, um, two things I need to be working on. <laughs> and, 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 so, and so one more thing about tornadoes. So I mentioned the number one reason people die, the siren mentality. Number two, and again, listen, 252 souls were lost. These are real people. That they some live in the city, some live in the country, some were old, some were young, some were infants, all ethnicities. It affected every socioeconomic group. I, I'm in the process of memorizing the names of everybody that died. It is very motivating for me. We've got to do better. We've mm-hmm. got to. So I mentioned the number one reason people died. It, it's the siren mentality. Number two, guess what it is. See, I like to ask questions of, mm, I don't know. of people. But I, this is your program. I shouldn't be doing this. No, no, it's, I like it. it. It's it's the lack of helmet use. Most people yeah. that die in oh, tornadoes, they die from... That's what I was from, about to say. That was what well, I was about to well, say. See, it's cheating because she's a weather person. <laughs> she, she knows. knows. That's interesting. Uh, okay. But most people die in tornadoes from blunt force trauma to, to the, the head. skull, head, neck region. And um, I, I, my hobby is healthcare. I, I've 
I have been the chairman of the board of a major hospital here for 17 years. It makes no sense for a weather person, but I know a lot of ER docs. And there's also peer-reviewed research on this. If you put on a cheap Walmart bicycle helmet, the cheapest one they make, that so enhances your chances of living through a violent tornado or, or mm-hmm. not being seriously injured. Mm. A, a batting helmet, if your kids play sports. Our, we raised boys. I got enough batting helmets for the whole state of Alabama <laughs> at my house. Uh, if they play football, a football helmet. If maybe somebody in your family rides motorcycles, a motorcycle helmet. So in that safe place, you're going to have helmets for everybody, including old people like me. It's not just for kids. My position, and I believe this is God's position, every human life is precious, period. And, you know, putting a helmet on me, it's not a good look. It's like lipstick on a hog. But (laughs) it it will increase my chance of surviving greatly. And we think over 50 people would be alive today that died April 27, 2011, if they would have had a bicycle helmet. And I didn't mention it on the air enough, and part of that's my fault. But we've got to work on that. And the other things we want people to have in their safe place, hard sole shoes because people's feet were shredded walking across a debris field with no hard sole shoes on, barefooted or socks or whatever. And then a little portable air horn. A lot of people bled to death in open fields and first responders could not find them. During a strong, violent tornado, you, you're lofted and you might wind up 100 yards from where you started. And even with that, the first responders can't even recognize the neighborhood. It's all gone. And if you're bleeding to death and if you can't vocalize your need for help, you got a problem, but you can squeeze that little air horn and those first responders can find you. So you're going to have helmets for everybody, hard sole shoes, and a portable air horn for everybody in that safe place. Well, James, this is really interesting because I didn't know any of that until I moved to Birmingham. And I heard you so often talk about the bicycle helmet, talk about the air horn, talk Mm -hmm. about having shoes. And I had in our safe place, because I refused to move to Birmingham with out a basement. Like I said, we will have a basement. I don't care about anything else. And so we did, we moved into a home with a basement and in our little safe space in the basement, we had all of those things. And when an EF zero, which I don't want to live through anything more than an EF zero, because that was traumatizing. It hit two doors down from us. And sure enough, we heard the sound. I mean, it was like a train coming through and it was just, but I felt prepared in that moment. I mean, you can't mentally prepare for something Mm -hmm. like that necessarily, but the things that we needed were there. And that was because of you on the air saying it over and over and over again. So it is important for people to know what, in any type of weather, what are the necessary things you need to have nearby to help your family, you know, survive something like this. Right. And be sure and go through with it with your kids before the day it happens. They don't need to be afraid when they get in there and, and, and all this stuff is happening. On a sunny day, just take them into your safe place, whether it's a little bathroom or a closet or whatever, and just say, all right, so I just wanted to show you what we're going to do if we ever have a tornado. And let me show you why we have this stuff in here. And it's a lot easier for them if they understand it. And I'll be honest with you all. We, we have a better time with kids than parents when it comes to tornado mm-hmm. preparedness. I'm sure. I'm in a school every single day. Uh, today I was in... Hubbardville, Alabama. I bet y'all have never been to Hubbardville, <laughs> Alabama. Of Hubbardville. Yeah. No. Uh, it's in Fayette County, and it's a little community, and it was great. I, I had half the school in the whole gym, and I, I talked to them about this stuff, and I showed some fairly hard things that they need to see. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to go home and tell their parents and, and fuss at them until they get everything right. And kids often lead the way when it comes to preparedness. And information is powerful. 
for the kids that are afraid, the more they know about this stuff, the, the fear will start to fade and they'll become very responsible. So, um, you know, when it comes to finding your house on a map and, you know, having a weather radio and things like that. And I'll say one more thing. We learned also on April 27th, we did a very poor job of reaching certain people groups like low income families. You know, uh, probably everybody on this show listening to this, you can afford a $30 weather radio. Well, guess what? A lot of people can't. It's cost prohibitive. And we've got to do a better job within the, the county governments, the emergency management agencies, and quite frankly, the church of uh, getting a weather radio into the hands of those low-income families that can't afford that. We did a very poor job of reaching uh, Spanish-speaking people, and shame on us for not lifting a finger to do that. And, you know, we, we just we just got a lot of work to do. And, and we, we I think we made a lot of strides. But the biggest challenge, quite frankly, I've got right now is people that live in manufactured housing. And I'm the biggest mobile home fan in the planet. Uh, it's wonderful, affordable housing that's given people an amazing way of life. But during a tornado, they're a death trap. You can't stay in them. I don't mm -hmm. care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody says. You cannot stay in a mobile home or a trailer. And uh, a lot of people don't have transportation, or it might take 30 minutes to get to a shelter or a business, and we can often only give five or 10 minutes warning. And that's our biggest challenge. We, we lost uh, 19 lives in Lee County near Auburn from people that were in trailers a few years ago on a Sunday afternoon. And that's a reminder of the work that we have to do. So understand, ladies, we, we got work to do. I mean, mm -hmm. I... Uh, there's, pe people say, when are you going to retire? Well, never, because we got so much work to do. <laughs> well, that sounds like a great service project for parents it to does. consider, though, and a way to get your children involved so that, you know, it might help them overcome some of that anxiety. And, that and for fear. churches, too, to Absolutely. jump in and, and provide that to the community, to those yeah, areas and, that don't and, have You know, them. listen, if you're a real estate agent, if you're selling houses, every new house ought to come with a weather radio. That ought to be one, of, instead of yeah. buying them a yeah. bouquet of flowers or something, get, get them a weather radio, this program, ready to go. You plug it up. It's got a battery in it, and you're good to go. We, if you program it, that's job. a great gift. Yeah, you go ahead and program <laughs> it for them. <laughs> I, I, I so bet you Katie struggled with that. the old DV, you know, the old, the, 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 what are the, those tape decks, you know, where you, the lights would flash and the power would go off, you know. I mean, those things were hard to program. But weather radio, you, you can do it. It, it, and I will admit, it might not be the easiest in the world, but it's not as freaky as some people make it out to be. So you yeah. can do this. You can do this. Heather's okay, going to help you get that thing programmed. Now my husband's going to make me do it after he listens to this. So, so Katie, what county do you live in? I'm going to ask nosy questions here. Well, county now in Georgia? Yes. I live in Barrow County. There you go. See, that, that yeah. warms my heart. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. good. That's a great start. I had to think about start. it for a second. I had to think about it. She's and moved a lot. But what's really interesting that you say that, James, is that I can now find my county on a map. Yes. And, and I think about you when I, because we've just moved here a year ago, and I didn't know this area of Georgia very well. And I've learned, well, I'm learning. Let me put it this way. I am in the process of learning the counties around me, too. And I honestly, I, I've thought about what you've said. So please do understand that you are teaching people what we mm -hmm. do need to know to be prepared, like what you're mm -hmm. saying is getting through. Um, and, you know, it's making an impact now. 
Yeah, and, sure. and, and, and we're, we're better, but we've still got a lot of work to do. But we're better off now than we were in 2011. Let me say one more thing. I know one thing that killed people in 2011 was the high false alarm ratio. Blood's mm. on our hands. Mm. Uh, we, we heard this in all the research all the time. I hear warnings all the time, and nothing ever happens. And the FAR, the false alarm ratio here was 83%, which means 83% of tornado warnings were false alarms. That's insane. That's crying wolf. And that killed people. And the was FAR that the technology is down to, lag though. Was there was it a lack of technology at that time, it, or it was ju- we didn't we didn't do a good job. It was us, the, the weather enterprise. And but we've gone back to basic science, and we've got that thing down in the 30s now. And I never thought oh, it wow. would be this low. But you're always going to awesome. have false alarms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now it's in the in the mid 30s, and warnings mean a lot more now than they used to. So some of the biggest issues we face now it's the TikTokers and the YouTubers. Uh, they are making piles of money with these hype videos, scaring people half to death. I call it fear porn. Uh, where every time there's a, it's going to rain, it, death-producing tornadoes are possible today, and people eat this stuff up even if it's not true. And uh, I would just encourage people to consider finding a reliable source. Now, some of the TikTokers and the YouTubers, the information is good, but some it's horrible. It, it, it's to scare people. They rack in thousands and thousands and thousands of views, and they make piles of money doing this just based on fear. Just stay away from that and just try and stick with credible sources. You do not need to life, run your life based on fear. Uh, and that, that the, the misinformation across social media is becoming mm-hmm. problematic now because a lot of people, have, and part of it is the political stuff that's going on in this country. A lot of people say, well, you work for fake news. You're mainstream media. We don't believe a word you say. I'm going to go get my news off the TikTok guy. <laughs> and the TikTok <laughs> guy so is, <laughs> all, all the TikTok guy's doing is making money off you, scaring you uh-huh. half to death. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll leave it at that, but it's... Uh, we live in interesting times, and, and, and I have to live in those worlds because I have to reach 16-year-olds. If there's a tornado coming, a 16-year-old's life is just as precious as mine. People say, why are you on TikTok? Well, that's where they are. Yeah. Jesus reached people where they were, and boy, Jesus took a lot of condemnation from all the religious big shots, you know, the, the, oh, you shouldn't be hanging out with these people. He was reaching people mm-hmm. where they are, and so I have to live in the TikTok and the Instagram and the Facebook and the, the Twitter world. <laughs> to reach people that don't use traditional television over there. But just right. my advice, be careful of your sources. Be very careful. Mm. The people who make me crazy, James, are the ones who go into severe weather and record themselves doing so. And you're just like, do you do you want to take a telephone pole to the head? Because that's what you're inviting here by standing yeah. and, in and, the hurricane. You know, and, and, and it's a hard, that's a hard issue. I mean, we need. We have to have video from the field. We've learned that people don't mm-hmm. respond to radar. We can show you a violent, mm. death-producing tornado on radar. People don't do anything. But if you can show them a live stream right. of a tornado, they'll dig a hole and get in it. And these people in the field serve that purpose. We can't have fixed cameras everywhere. But mm-hmm. I do agree that some of it's... You know, insane. You, you just. You, oh, I don't you mean the be... meteorologists. I'm talking about the crazies who get yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, right, like, right. No, no, I know what you're talking about. Dude in his pickup it's... truck with his buddy yes. just chasing it down. Like, yes. I'm just like, and, are and, you and we have reason to believe that people died April 27, 2011 doing that. They didn't Real know what they were chasing. doing. Yeah. But, hey, man, I'm going to get me some video of this tornado and get me some YouTube, uh, yeah. Google uh-huh. AdSense money. And I'm going to get me a lot of views. And, and, you know, life is a series of decisions, and that's a bad decision. Right. Don't you dare do that unless you've been. Trained exactly. as a spotter f- 
by professionals before you go even think about going out there and doing that. That's awfully dangerous. Have you ever been at a total loss for how to explain to your kids some of the really hard things they've seen in our culture or in the news? Sometimes I resort to distraction, like, hey, who wants ice cream? (laughs) Because I'm just not sure how to rightly respond. This is why I'm so excited about a new podcast that is stepping in to meet that need. The podcast is called Concurrently, and each episode is full of practical help so that we can teach our kids how to develop news literacy and biblical discernment. To find out more, visit concurrentlypodcast.com, and you can listen to new episodes of Concurrently every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. So James, back to our talk with preparing um, our kids and getting them focused on not being scared of storms, but weather prepared. Uh, You have written a children's book about weather preparedness. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what made you want to write that? Having done children's worship for all these years, over 30 years, I see a lot of kids in two different areas. Number one, they're either scared to death of storms, scared to death. I mean, a clinical phobia or they love them. They're like me. I mean, they, they are, they just can't wait for the next storm to come along. And, and again, there's some good weather books out there, but I, I just didn't see any that really got my attention. So I kind of commissioned some creatives in my family to write uh, a series starting with one. It's, it's called Benny and Chipper. And the first one's called Prepared, Not Scared, and and it's designed for kids that have a fear of weather and for kids Mm -hmm. that love weather, and it teaches some of the basics we've talked about on this show in a way that the kids can understand it. It involves this big bear and a dog, and and, and Karen, my wife Karen and one of our boys, they're creative. They wrote it for me. I'm not creative, but I, I think that's the most important book out of all the books that are in my world right now. It's that one. And there's going to be more to come. You know, uh, Ginger Z, who's a good friend of mine. Ginger's a, one of my kids. I, I call him kids. I've got interns all over the world <laughs> doing weather that loop through this office as an intern. Uh, Ginger was here in the summer of 2000. She's the chief meteorologist for ABC News in New York. She wrote the oh, wow. foreword for the book, and she she got turned on by going to school visits with me when she was here. She she that's she that's just so caught cool. on to it. But anyway, that that book it's designed for kids that either are scared of storms or absolutely love weather. It's easy to read. It's not that long, and and it's a good start. You can't for kids that do have a phobia, you can't fix it with one book or one session with me. But it starts a process, and uh, I work with the Alabama Baptist Children's Home for years as a trustee and many of the counselors I've befriended. And I work, we work with counselors to talk with them about how you approach this thing too. So it's a combination of meteorology and social science and everything else. And it, it's pretty, pretty fun. That's so great. That's cool. Well, James, our podcast is all about helping parents reach past the outward behaviors of our kids and to reach their hearts for God's glory. And as a believer yourself, I would love to have you help us reach past our own outward behaviors like me hiding in the bathroom cabinets uh, when I'm afraid of a tornado, and get to the heart of why we're so fearful when severe weather hits. Do you believe, and I think you might, that there is a healthy amount of fear to have when it comes to severe weather? And how how far might we take it, you know, to an unhealthy extreme like you were just talking well, about? What, what's the beginning of knowledge? What? The or the Lord, right? <laughs> so a, a little fear is okay. Mm. There's good fear uh-huh. and there's bad fear. And, uh, you know, you don't want the bad fear to creep in. So, some children are so afraid, they, phys- they physically become ill. They, they, 
they vomit, they they, they develop, they, they shake. I mean, it, it's horrifying to it's see this. It's a physiological reaction. Right, yeah, it's very real what what they're experiencing here, and we we just have to lead them into the concept that uh, it's okay to be a little afraid. Sure, it's okay, uh, but you don't need to be really afraid. I I, I use the cup trick all the time the cup un- underneath the, uh, the the ball underneath the cup go get about 500 uh, you know little plastic cups in one rubber ball and put 500 cups 500 that's a lot <laughs> and under one of those cups there's a little rubber ball and for most people in tornado prone areas that's your chance of being hit by a tornado in a year and have the kid just pick up a cup Pick up another cup. Pick up another. They can play that game all day, and they're not going to find that thing. That's a tangible way of showing the odds of you being hit by a tornado are so low. And if by chance they do pick it up, you're going to teach them, okay, so what are we going to do? Small room, lowest floor near the center. We've all talked about this as a family. This is our safe place. In that safe place, you need to have some games. You need to make it fun. Fun. Light it up, man. Have some fun stuff going on in there. But yes, you need the helmets and the hard sole shoes and the air horns and all these other things. But uh, they need to know where it is. And they also for the older kids that let's say they're maybe ten or twelve or fourteen and they're home by themselves. And a lot of kids are latchkey kids. They come home alone. And I'm not faulting parents. It, it is what it is. Parents aren't home yet. Kids get home. And a lot of our tornadoes happen when during the afternoon and evening hours. And a lot of times on the air, I've got to talk with kids that are home alone, and they need to know what to do. The older kids, if they're home alone, this is what you do. But you got to work on it on a sunny day. You, you can't work on it when there's a tornado five yeah. miles away. That, that's the main yeah. thing. That, that's really important. And, you know, we always tried to, in our bin of all our preparedness stuff, we always tried to put snacks and games and things in there that can take our minds off what we're actually in the basement for. Because when we lived in Birmingham, it felt like every other weekend we were in, or every other week we were in the basement (laughs) for a tornado. And I had just moved James from Kansas not long before that. And I was like, can I possibly escape the tornadoes (laughs) in my life? I was so over it at that point. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Our, our little safe place, our kids are grown now. We're empty nesters, uh, mm. but we still try and make that place a fun place because my wife's kind of claustrophobic. And <laughs> our, and we have, we have like a real tornado shelter down in the basement rated for an EF5 down there. But, oh, wow. Uh, she's got Bible verses and all, you know, you've got to light it up where it's kind of nice and everything. And it, it, it feels like you know, you got some comfortable places to sit down. But but let me just say this, too. You know, and again, going back to this mobile home thing, a lot of people have to go to community shelters. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in a community shelter. No. They're, they're not a nice place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't smell good. You've got some people in there that are creepers. I mean, it, the whole you got dogs, you know, that have gas. I mean, the, the whole thing, it's just, it's not a very pleasant place. Um. And but but at the same time, those are really important. We don't have enough of them for people that live in manufactured housing. Mm. Uh, and, and we're all talking about we, we all have homes here and we have these places we're talking about. But for folks that live in mobile homes and some people listening to this might remember, you, you got to get out. You've mm-hmm. got to get out. Don't you dare stay in. There. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what kind of a tie down you have. Uh, my first major in college was engineering, and I, I know a little bit about this stuff. And. You can't stay there. So 
please know where the nearest shelter is or the nearest business that's open 24-7 that will let you in, whether it's a gas station, a fast food restaurant, or something like that, and always have transportation. And we in the Weather Enterprise, we're going to work on finding an intermediate product between a watch and a warning for people that live in manufactured housing. We're, we're going to work on that. There's just so much work to do, but mm. just p- pay attention, and we'll get through it okay. We always well, do. Well, and I think the most important thing, as you've said, is preparing ahead of time in good situations. You know, when when the weather is fair, you're preparing for what the worst might look like so that the first time you encounter it or know what to do is not in that moment. So that's right. And and remember, I love grandmamas. Bless their hearts. (laughs) But sometimes when it comes to weather knowledge, they they maybe missed it a little bit, like heat. (laughs) Heat lightning, you know, heat lightning doesn't exist. There's no such thing as heat lightning. And my, I didn't both, know that. I'm not my, a grandma. My, my grandmama, look at that heat lightning. <laughs> the, 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 not, the, the idea that, you know, lightning just comes out of clear air on a summer night. It, the, there is always a thunderstorm that mm. generates lightning. It's the same process. It might be 90 miles away. Mm. It's so tall you can see it, but you can't hear the thunder. And then the other thing that, you know, I they didn't would know that say, I blame my personal, personal meteorologist for not telling me that. Oh, James. Wow. I had no we idea. We need to have a few more lessons. <laughs> few you need more to have sessions. some long talk about that. <laughs> yes. and, and, and then, and then, you know, they'll say, well, tornadoes always split around this, down here in this valley. They go over here and they split and they turn right and they turn left and will never be hit by a tornado. No, no. People where I live used to say that last year. They, there were some older people that said that because we're in a valley between two ridges. We'll never have a tornado here. Guys, no. I mean, I don't care where you are. It can happen, and you just have to be ready. And the mm. other thing, too, it's the season. A lot of people don't understand when tornadoes happen, mm-hmm. and I know we're focusing on tornadoes here, but that's what I do. The tornado season where, where you ladies are and where I am, when does it start? November. Mm-hmm. When does it end? May. May. Now, in the Great Plains states, it extends into June. And as you go farther north, up toward the Dakotas, it goes into you know June and July. Uh, higher latitudes, but for the deep south down here, it's November through May. And I hear this, I mean, we never have tornadoes at Christmas here. Never. Yes, you do. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> what do you mean? That, that's the middle of the season. We have it oh, at wow. Thanksgiving. Yeah. In fact, we're recording this show on the 15th of November. I don't know if yeah. I'm giving away trade secrets here. But on this date, <laughs> on this date in 1989, what happened? Now, y'all were not alive in 1989. I was alive in 1980. Yeah, we both were. Yeah, we were. I I, I don't believe you. We're old. I was six. So a horrible, horrible EF4 or F4 tornado came through Huntsville, Alabama. Mm. It killed 21 people, injured 463. Happened at 4.30 on a Wednesday afternoon when a lot of people were driving home. Of the 21 that died, 12 were in cars. And it was down for 18 miles. And it was horrific. Uh, and, and that's in November 15th. That's a reminder mm-hmm. that we're in the wow. season now. So it's, it's, good, it's a good thing we're talking about it now. This was this was good mm-hmm. timing. Y'all, y'all were good on your timing here. Well, so we were going to release this in the spring, though. So <laughs> oh. now I feel like we're going to be at the end of the season. Yeah, we're going to bump it up now. We have hey, to man. now. Yeah. Let, let's drop it. Let's drop it now. Drop it now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to bump some, bump some Christmas episodes out of there. <laughs> James, do you have any other resources? You've given us some great ones so far, but any other resources for parents as far as 
books or websites, things that they can do to prepare? Yeah, what, what you, if you have kids that are interested or are really afraid, mm-hmm. you know what I, I like for to advise parents to do? Take them to a storm spotter training session. Oh, and the Weather Service offers these online. You can do mm-hmm. it in the comfort of your home. I think they're better in person. And now that you know COVID's over, the, the, the in-person training is starting back. But every Weather Service office offers this. It doesn't cost a dime. And you will never, ever look at a storm the same again. And for even a child in second or third grade or fourth grade that loves weather, those spotter sessions are just outstanding. Knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. And you can take that power and use that to mitigate the fear that they might have. Or if they love weather, to enhance the fascination that might lead to an amazing career in science. Uh, So I I would encourage parents to to consider letting their kids sit in on a storm spotting session, whether it's online or, or some of the weather service offices are doing those in person now. That's a great, great idea. Listeners, we'll be sure to include links in our show notes to all of these resources that James has mentioned. Okay, well, now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. And today's quick tip is courtesy of the one and only James Spann. So, James, do you have a quick tip for parents today? It can be on any topic at all. So, so first off, I've been married for 41 years, and we have raised two boys. Just to get some background on this. And this is weird. They're 13 years apart. God has a sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> when, when we were putting the oldest one in his college dorm to start college, the youngest one that same day started kindergarten. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> so we're, we're boy parents, and uh, we've been doing it for a long time. But my quick tip, it's, it's simple. Don't sweat the little stuff. Please, please. I see now parents that are overcome with anxiety. They are absolutely overcome with it. And for a lot of people, they're going to seek counseling. They're going to some professional help. And that's fine. If you need that, that's fine. That's not a sign of weakness. That's a sign of strength. But And it's mostly over the little stuff that doesn't matter. We're here for a short time. We're, we're just here for a very short time. And goodness, for years, I was always the youngest guy wherever I worked. Now look at me. I'm the oldest guy. And I'm in the fourth quarter of life. I'm not in the two-minute warning, but I'm in the fourth quarter here. <laughs> two-minute warning. When, when, when I look back on my life, half the stuff I worried about doesn't matter. It means nothing. Absolutely mm-hmm. nothing. And yet, for as parents, we waste our time on the little stuff. We sweat the little stuff. And so that's my tip of the week here is don't sweat that stuff. We all have burdens to bear. We have big, everybody listening to this show, every family, you've got mental health issues or relational problems. And if you say you don't, I've got a great sermon on lying, okay? <laughs> we, all, we, all, we, we all fight that. We all fight financial problems. We all fight health issues. That's the big stuff. But I see people worried about you know, some kid that left a stinking crayon mark on a wall and they berate the child like, like they just burned down a city or robbed a bank. <laughs> and I don't know where that's coming from. And we live in a very angry society. Everybody wants to fight. I can post a picture of a sunset on the face bag, okay? And I, I got like a million people that follow. I don't know why a million people follow me over there. It's, it's insane. <laughs> But before you know it, they're fighting about Trump and Biden and masks and, and elections. And then they start attacking. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking, what's the matter with these people? This is a sunset picture. And then they start attacking me with this horrible language, these nasty potty mouth, bad cussing words. 
You know, I'll go to their Facebook profile, and guess what's smeared all over their profile? Bible verses. Bible verses and their church affiliation. Oh, no. And is this what we've become? Mm. And so we live in this angry society where that's insane, and we sweat the, the... we, we're sweating little stuff that doesn't matter, so don't sweat the small stuff. And please take some time. But we're here to help other people. That's it. That's mm. it. Consider time to go help somebody. You can say an encouraging word to somebody. That doesn't cost a dime. Mm-hmm. It takes a little time. You can pray for somebody. You can be at the drive through over here at the Arby's, and you can look in your rear view, mm-hmm. and you can see what's behind you, and you might find somebody by looking at the countenance on their face, it's one of the worst days of their life, and you mm-hmm. can buy their lunch, and, and you go hide. I've seen people openly weep when they see the fact that their lunch is free. Mm-hmm. So don't sweat the small stuff, and take the time and energy you've had on sweating the small stuff, and go help other people, and that's my tip of the week. That's great. Well, listeners, if you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun day nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. James, it's been an absolute joy talking with you about this topic that I believe so many parents deal with at some point or another while raising kids. And I know we keep saying it, but also adults deal with it as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today and sharing your wisdom and experience with all of us. My pleasure. Can you leave listeners with just a quick final word of encouragement? Yeah. uh, For you parents, I know some of you listening, you want to quit. Somebody wants to quit right now. You're listening to this show, you're driving down the road, and you want to quit. Everything has gone wrong. Don't quit. Persevere. One of the greatest characteristics that God will give you is perseverance. And you just somebody needs to hear those words, and I believe that's what I'm supposed to say right now is don't quit. You persevere. You stay in it. Uh, we live in a world where everybody wants to quit and walk away. And again, my dad walked away when I was seven. And I still hurt. He crushed me like a bug on a windshield. You don't know how bad that hurts when I was seven and where I am today. And I've forgiven him. I had a chance to see him one time before he died. He had alcohol dementia. He didn't know it was me. But I had a chance to see him, and uh, I forgave him for that. But uh, just hear these words. You will never know, never know what you've done for one of your kids or one of your family members until the day you go to heaven. Never. And you get so discouraged and you don't hear any encouraging words and you want to quit. But understand what you do is critical as a mom, a dad, a parent, a family member. So thank you for what you do and don't quit. Thank you so much, James, for your words of encouragement and you, Heather, for joining us today. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.